Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. There was a guy parked in our town that was buying antlers, and so I took him down to him, and I remember selling that pile of antlers for like $550. And I was like, holy cow, that's a lot of money. I have my 5K times are through the roof right now, dude. I think I'm running like a two and a half hour 5K, so, you know, I told him, you know, I'll step aside, you send me some under on the swag, and I'll let you win your own, uh, your own race. I love it. Like, there's very few things I would rather do than go out and look for shed antlers. But the coolest thing about shed hunting is you can pick up a giant set of sheds and just keep walking and look for another one. The hunt's not over. You know, um, you should just go hit up Joe Rogan and see if he'll shoot with you. He can probably teach you a thing or two. Plus, the animal doesn't have to die to get the dog to you, so even the yuppies that are all opposed to killing can sleep good at night. Um, and in a typical day of shed hunting, you know, I've had several days over 15 miles hike this year, um, and I'll break 20 a handful of times during the year. I think my best day this year, I had 18 elk sheds on my pack at one time, and uh, you know, you're well over 100 pounds. Hey, this is Ben Dedamonte, aka Shed Crazy, and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode 26. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 26 of Living Country in the City. Living Country in the City is brought to you by Bowhunter Brotherhood. A brotherhood can be formed of many different types of people in many different ways. But the one thing they all have in common is support, respect, and a desire to bring out the best in each other. This is what Bowhunter Brotherhood represents. Check out all the latest videos and blog entries on the Bowhunter Brotherhood website and get 10% off all purchases in the Bowhunter Brotherhood store by visiting livingcountryinthecity.com partners. Now, a couple quick items before we get started. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is running the Hike to Hunt Challenge in an effort to raise more funds for conservation, and I want to get you all involved over and above just a basic membership. So what I'm doing is if you head on over to hiketohuntchallenge.com and donate on behalf of me, Samuel Lair's Living Country in the City, and then email your receipts to info at livingcountryinthecity.com, I pledge to walk one mile for every $5 donated. 
Additionally, I'll match the largest single donation made on behalf of me up to $100 with pounds in my pack, and I'll live stream myself hiking up the trail to Griffith Observatory. Now, there's a possibility that if the number is way over that $100 mark, I'll take on something a little bit more crazy or, or do something special, but I haven't quite decided on that yet. So head on over to hiketohuntchallenge.com and donate any amount on behalf of me. Just remember that the more you donate, the more you get to completely make me suffer hiking up that hill. Now, on top of that, everyone who's participating in my 2K follower giveaway on Instagram, which, incidentally, I've added some awesome new stuff, uh, y'all can get bonus entries by emailing me your donation receipts. The first $10 donated on my behalf uh, for the Hike to Hunt Challenge will get you one bonus entry, while every additional $5 donated will get you another bonus entry on top. Whoever makes the largest single donation in addition to the bonus entries they've already accumulated, as well as forcing me to carry the heavy pack up the trail, that donor will receive 10 additional bonus entries. So, all right. Today, I'm on the line with Ben Dedamonti, better known as Shed Crazy on Instagram. Now, I finally got to meet Ben at the Total Archery Challenge in Snowbird. He's a really solid guy, and now a lot of y'all may know, only know him as a bit of a goofball with all his posts on Instagram and, you know, kind of a wise guy. Well, what you may not realize is that Ben is a very wise guy. He's taken what most people consider to be a fun outdoor hobby, shed collecting, and really turned it into uh, a career that supports a lifestyle of hunting and spending time in the outdoors. And I know myself, I can't wait to get the inside scoop. Ben, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Happy to be here. So uh, one thing I always like to start with, uh, why don't you just kind of give the audience a little introduction uh, about yourself and kind of your history with the outdoors and hunting? Well, I was born and raised in uh, kind of the hub of the world for Western hunting. I was born and raised in southern Utah, right in the heart of uh, big mule deer country, and as long as I can remember, my favorite thing to do was go out and hunt deer with my dad. Um, I've been hunting since I was, since I could walk, since I could get in the truck and go. So, I mean, it's been an obsession that's taken over every other thing that I should have been doing my whole life. It's the reason I quit football. It's the reason I probably should have got married soon. I should have done a lot of things, but I couldn't quit hunting, and, and I'm never going to quit hunting. So, it's uh, <laughs> just been something I've been obsessed with as long as I can remember. You know, it's it's funny. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, people have been talking to me lately because this is all I can talk about anymore. This is all I ever really think about. Uh, my social life has pretty much become completely non-existent. But they all sit there and think, you know, people are like, well, you know, what happens with all this hunting stuff? Somebody actually said it to me today. What happens with all this hunting stuff? Like, when you you know, meet that, that girl that really kind of turns your head or, you know, you know, how are, how are you going to work all that out? And I, I'm like, well, one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to meet cause we both happen to be running on the same trail at about five in the morning or, you know, the girl that turns my head is going to be the one that's probably just as obsessed with hunting as I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise the only girl that's turning my head is probably going to be a cow elk, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, and with my wife, that's kind of the way it was. Like, I kind of faked her out a little bit because I thought she was really hot, so <laughs> I, I didn't really, like, let her know how obsessed with it I was until after I already kind of had her on the hook. And, and she's been good. She goes along with it. 
she uh she likes to hunt she likes to shoot her bow but she's nowhere near as diehard as i am and and for me that's kind of a good fit because i like to hunt alone and i like to be able to go and know that stuff's taken care of at home and she's awesome she handled us so well you know that's cool that you you that you're with someone uh who supports what you love to do and and you can go enjoy that with her and talk with her about it but then she's also you know willing to let you do your thing and have have your time doing something you're passionate about and right. that's that's you're a lucky man yeah for sure like I, I it's funny all the guys that and my wife's a teacher so she also brings in a pretty good paycheck for us so i can do what i want and all the guys that she worked with think they tell all the time man i married the wrong girl <laughs> they, know, <laughs> they know about it it's 100 percent true like i just i don't know how i left out but i left out big time well very cool man but you know speaking of shooting a bow um got to meet you this weekend at total archery challenge uh it was good to see you out there yeah, yeah, you too. That was cool to finally run into you in person. So, uh, you know, what did what did you think? Um, have you have you done uh, any of these archery challenges before? Whether it's alpha bow hunting, total archery challenge, any IBO stuff? Have you ever done these before? None of it. Like I'm probably like the world's worst actual archer. Um, I've never been to a 3D shoot. I've shot like a few target ranges that have some 3D target set up, but I've never done one of these big shoots before. And so, I mean, I was actually a little bit like apprehensive about it like i figured if i smash the arrows i can play it off and make crack some jokes and then stuff pretend i'm playing around but um i was a little nervous about them shoot especially because uh they put me in that uh the group with like the guy from hoyt the guy from mountain ops <laughs> the guy who owns wild arrow archery the hush guys and so i'm just like oh geez way out of my league here but uh i didn't do too bad see that was that was one thing like you know at least like the guys i was shooting with they were super you know, they were there with their families. Like I, you know, some guys I ran into, they had heard the podcast. And so we started talking and I ended up shooting with them. Um, but they were there with their kids. And so honestly, like I was shanking arrows left and right. And I, I didn't, didn't feel, you know, these guys could shoot, but I was there with their kids too. And I didn't feel self-conscious about it. Um, you know, it made me feel a lot better except for the times I got outshot by a, a, like a, 16 year old but you know it happens but i can't I, know. <laughs> I couldn't imagine going out with you know the the who's who of of bow hunting yeah. and and doing that but yeah luckily they're like such down-to-earth and mellow guys they helped me a lot the guy especially jeremiah that owns wild arrow archery he uh talked me through some stuff with my form and just gave me a little bit of advice and stuff and then jeremy the guy from hoyt same story they just helped me. and i was shooting significantly better at the end of the day, just from that little bit of advice. So it was pretty bad. See, that's, that is the, the flip side of that coin. It's like, you know, you're a lot more self-conscious and, you know, you're kind of comparing yourself to some guys that are way up there, but then you also have the benefit of all that experience. You know, you could, you couldn't sure. imagine better guys to sit and give you pointers and, and stuff like that. Um, Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's one thing I definitely miss out here. Sometimes is the range I go to. It's an out. It's an outdoor range, and uh, I go there early in the mornings. You know, it's it's not it's not like a a manned thing. There's no pro shop guys there. None of that. Um, right. And so it's just kind of me figuring out what I can do and. Uh, 
I kind of, I, I don't want to say I taught myself to shoot, but to some extent I did. And I've, I've learned stuff, picked yeah. up stuff from people here and there, but I would, you know, I really need to find a good shooting mentor and I need to take some time and, and really dedicate it to going to a place where there's people that know what they're doing that can be like, Oh, come on. You know, your, your strings not touching your nose, you know, you're cranking your head down, whatever that may be. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know some guys out there in California. But, um, you should just go hit up Joe Rogan and say, so shoot with you. He can probably teach you a thing or two. Probably be down to go shoot. There's your pals. Yeah, you know, it's all us LA guys. You know, we're just we're buddies. I'm just gonna, I'll just roll One up, big... <laughs> knock on Joe Rogan's uh, gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just go see if he wants to shoot bows or something. He'd probably be cool about it. You know, I I, I was super bummed because he, you know, he's doing his tour right now, and his LA shows were just before, uh, just before Snowbird, like a a week or two yeah. before, and I was. I was looking and I was like, okay, awesome. I'm going to get some tickets. And I got distracted for like a week and I didn't remember it until just before the show. And both of them in LA were completely sold out. Yeah. And I was super bummed, but it was probably better because I'm not sure I would have been able to resist the temptation to in the middle of like one of his sets, just stand up and be like, I'm a bow hunter. <laughs> we have something in common, famous person. <laughs> Pay yeah, attention to me, please. <laughs> acknowledge me, acknowledge me. Yeah, dude, it's funny, man. It's funny when you get into, like, you know, you meet some of these famous, whatever, quote-unquote, social media hunter guys, and it's funny. People kind of lose it around them. Uh, I've seen it with, I'm, you know, hanging around with some of the, the Hush Boys, especially you'll see people, like, let's see Eric and just kind of come unglued, and it's kind of hilarious. Oh, it's funny. I, uh, I will say one of... The exciting moments for me this weekend uh, was getting to meet Cam. Um, yeah, you know i there i I don't get starstruck a lot, and I was very proud of myself though that I managed to hold it together when I <laughs> and not act like a total idiot when I <laughs> when I got to meet him. Bang girl, completely. You know, it's yeah. it just. I'll admit. So I got a chance. I've met uh, Brian Gritty Bowman Brian before. Um, yeah, I met him yeah. last time I was in Utah and I wasn't quite so smooth cause I was kind of surprised when I met him. Yeah. We were at the, uh, Sitka subalpine launch event, uh, with black Ovis and all of them. And yeah. there was a taco truck there and I, I roll into line and, uh, to get my second helping of tacos. And all of a sudden I knew Brian was there, you know, they were one of the hosts of the event and he turns around and. And he's like, hey, uh, how you doing? And I just, I kind of like have this mental freeze moment. And then I just look at him and I'm like, uh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> and, oh, that's hilarious. And, you know, we, we talked for a minute and both him and Aaron were like, you know, super great. I mean, they're the nicest nudes in the world. They're super gracious. And yeah, kind of let me be a fanboy for a minute. And But, you know, I got to, I got to run into him again, uh, at snowbird and sit down and talk with him for a minute and you know we got to talk about podcasting and uh you know just how it's a passion and getting to learn from these people and it was really good i loved i loved snowbird so much because everyone was together you know it's a yeah a lot of the friends i've kind of made uh in my past trips out and 
it's just man everybody was there you know it it was good to see everyone good to meet everyone and say hello um so i I really uh i really enjoyed that it was probably one of the best weekends i've had in gosh ever (laughs) yeah for sure man 100 percent. everybody's just kind of hanging out on the bridge too it's just kind of a small space where you know if you come to the expos and stuff they're so crazy and there's lines and all this and it's kind of just like a little bit like a friendlier place you get to rub shoulders and kind of talk to some people it was I had a lot of fun there too. I wish I could have stayed the whole time. I had I only shot Friday, but it was a good time. Yeah, so uh you weren't you weren't there for the the trail run on Saturday morning. You know, I mean I know you would have smoked us all. Oh yeah. Well I have my five K times are through the roof right now, dude. I think I'm running like a two and a half hour five K, so like it would have been over. Well and you can't really embarrass Cam at his own uh at his own uh, you know, trail run five K. That's just yeah. Well, he messaged me and asked me to step aside, and I was more than happy to do it. You know, I told him, you know, I'll step aside. You send me some Under Armour swag, and, and I'll let you win your own, uh, your own race. So I assume you want. I don't. You're so it's it's just really really gracious of you. You know, you kind of got to let people keep up appearances. Is really what it is. And you know, it's just they get so embarrassed when they see a fat dude out running them. <laughs> it's just part of part of it. <laughs> You know, I mean, and speaking of all this, I've been really, I've been following your fitness tips on Instagram. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been, uh, especially, I really like the the rounding down calories. That's, uh, yeah, that's my absolute favorite. Um, I had, I had like four meals today and I've only taken in probably about a uh, hundred calories, I think, uh, total. Yeah, that's awesome. Solid. That's, that sounds like a pretty typical day for me. It's just yeah, it was really good. You know, I uh, I was thinking about going to get a going to get uh, one of those In and Out protein shakes, but you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can get that jacked. If, if you get the uh, if you get the strawberry, that's a fruit, and fruits are the same as vegetables. So I mean, it's just healthy. It's hundred percent healthy. Ah, oh, good to know, you man. Can't, you can't. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, a- tips from the fitness expert here, Shed Crazy Ben. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a two-year bulking phase, and and uh, it's it's really paying off. I've been following all these tips by myself for for years, and every time people see me, they just kind of ask me, you know, "What are you doing? How do you keep up that look?" And what I do, you know, just kind of who I am. Oh man. <laughs> um, anyway, so really, uh, other than other than being known as kind of, uh, you know, for your strict diet regimen and kind of being this fitness icon in the hunting industry, um, you are on Instagram, of course, known as shed crazy, um, for a very good reason. Um, you're, I mean, super well known for being a shed hunter, a very successful shed hunter. Yeah. Yep. I love, I love to shed hunt. It's something that I've been crazy about. Like it started to dominate every every part of my life over the last about five years and uh, I just I love it like there's very few things I would rather do than go out and look for shed antler so now I think you know we were talking earlier and you know I like to kind of play devil's advocate here and and ask the dumb questions and really it's mostly because I honestly don't know and I'm just legit asking these dumb questions Uh, (laughs) um But shed hunting is honestly, it's just something, especially in LA, that it's not something we get to do. You know, it's like I take my vacation time, I get out, and I that's reserved for the typical hunting season. It's not, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not 
unless I just happen to be out somewhere, there's not a lot of shed hunting around here. I like to do what I call urban shed hunting, which is you walk around and if you see a stick that kind of looks like an antler, you oh, there you, go. you pick it up, you <laughs> pose with it, and then maybe Photoshop something over it later. Uh, that's count it, yeah. That's what I call my urban <laughs> shed hunting. But uh, this whole shed hunting thing is. Like, what do you what do you do? Do you just kind of like go out and walk around and be like, "I hope I see an antler," or like, how do you find a good shed spot? Yeah, well, there is like a lot of research and science that goes into it. It does kind of seem like just this weird thing, like picking wildflowers or something. But <laughs> we uh, spend a lot of time on Google Earth looking at elevations, um, looking for specific types of winter feed, um, looking at migration routes and patterns for like big herds of deer and elk um and we also spend a lot of time out looking for shed spots scouting um finding the animals while they're on the winter range and uh um just like keeping track of specific animals and then going in and looking for their shed once they drop so it's uh something that a lot of people don't really understand and i'm okay with that because i don't need a ton of competition but um <laughs> A lot of people are like, what, why? But it's really fun. For me, it's kind of like my form also of trophy hunting. Like, don't get me wrong, I trophy hunt. Like, I want to kill the biggest deer. I want to kill the biggest elk. I'm all about scoring stuff and knowing what it scores. But the coolest thing about shed hunting is you can pick up a giant set of sheds and just keep walking and look for another one. The hunt's not over. You can be all about antlers without having, like, an ethical question of whether or not you're, like, hunting for the wrong reasons. You just go out and find as many as you want keep all the big stuff and look for the giants. And so it's kind of, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons that I love to do that. Well, you know, there's definitely, uh, you don't have to worry about, uh, the wind changing and spooking an antler. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> you know, you got to wear camo. So. Uh, there you go. You don't, you know, you don't have to take off your boots and stock, uh, stock up very, very silently on that mule deer antler. Um, <laughs> no, it does take a lot of that out. You don't have to worry if you smell bad or you don't. I don't know. But there's a lot of methods of hunting, you know. Like, you can't hunt out of a tree stand. That's totally not. Uh, that's totally out of question. It doesn't work that well. I've tried it. <laughs> Ground blind. They're no good. So you have to hone your skills for sure. I don't I don't get it, man. I got my tree stand set up over water. Where are the sheds? I haven't found one yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely has a lot of technique to it, though. And it's it kind of. It takes, there's a learning curve for sure to be successful at it. So, I mean, how far do you travel? You know, you're in Utah. Like, how far do you travel to go hunt down these sheds? Oh, we've driven, uh, I, I drive six hours regularly um, just to go to better shed areas, premium elk units in out of state, you know, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico. Um, just to up the amount and the quality of sheds that you find. Um, I always say it's better to drive six hours then walk six hours without finding one so i don't mind mind going far um and in a typical day of shed hunting you know i've had several days over 15 miles hike this year um and i'll break 20 a handful of times during the year and uh, a good portion of that will have you know um 30 or 40 pounds of elk antlers on their back so i mean that's that's the other thing i think people don't realize and i didn't realize at first is you know, you think like, oh, it's shed hunting. You know, you're just kind of walking around and picking up what you find, and you got maybe an armful of stuff, and it's not a a physically demanding thing, you know, or it's 
you know, oh, it's nothing like packing out an animal or anything like that. But you're rolling out with uh, a serious amount of weight. Yeah, on the, on the really good days, that's 100% what we aim for is to have a large quantity of big sheds. And I, I love elk sheds more than anything. So if you have a good day hunting elk sheds, I think my best day this year, I had 18 elk sheds on my pack at one time. And, uh, you know, you're well over 100 pounds on, on a pack like that. So you're probably, you know, 110 to 120 pounds. And, and I had 18 plus miles hiked that day, a lot of it with, with that amount of weight on it. So it's, uh, it's way physically taxing. It's hard on your knees. And if you're not in hiking shape, you, I mean, you just end up having to leave antlers behind, which is just leaving money on the ground. Now, speaking of that, you do this for a living, right? Yeah, yeah that's my full-time gig now. So how how did that even come about? Like, it's, it's you know, once again, from a layman's perspective, it's, you know, for me, I'd like, I'd be out shed hunting thinking like, oh, cool, I'm going to have an awesome thing that I can put on, you know, hang up somewhere like a decoration or just something kind of cool to have for a while. Uh, how, how do you go from that to turning it into a a full-time gig? Well, I started out like that for sure. Um, I got into it, like I said, you know, maybe really hardcore six or seven years ago. Um, and I just was picking up day antlers around the town I lived in because I thought they were cool because my brother-in-laws were really into it and I just kind of wanted to go with them. And then the end of the year came, and I had a decent pile of antlers. Um, I made some elk trips that year, and I had a little, I don't know, a little pile of antlers. Um, there was a guy parked in our town that was buying antlers, and so I took him down to him, and I remember selling that pile of antlers for like $550. And I was like, holy cow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you know? And so then, right then, the wheels started turning in my head. It's like now I'm going to see if I can get more and more and sell more and more and make more and more money. And I think the next year um, after that, I made a couple thousand dollars on elk sheds. Dang. Um, and I realized uh, you got to get after the elk sheds if you want to make money. Um, and since I started selling some decent piles, making decent side money and paying for my fuel and stuff, I've always just wanted to try it and just see if you could actually pick up enough money to pay for it plus make a decent income off of antler. And so this year... It's been a year that by far I've picked up the most ever. I think I've picked up about 150 elk antlers this year and somewhere around 100 or 200 deer antlers. I don't know. I didn't count the deer really. And then, um, so like on a year like this, I probably so far picked up probably ten to $15,000 an antler. Jeez. And, so and I mean, this is obviously seasonal work generally, right? It is for the most part. Um, antlers become worth less as they fade, the color fades in the sun. So you want to get as many of the brown antlers as you can right at peak time, right when, um, right when they're fresh drops. So they're worth the most money and they weigh the most. Um, and then pretty much through the summer, I quit because it's so hot. Like the places I like to shed hunt, especially like Arizona, they're brutally hot, 110 degrees right now. So, um, that's just not worth trying to do anything in that kind of heat. And I'll go back to it um, throughout the fall and then, like, the months of November, December, and January. I'll hit it really hard. Okay. Now, you know, you kind of mentioned uh, you, want them, you want them when they're fresh dropped, when they're brown, they haven't been bleached out by the sun. 
what else kind of determines its worth? Is it a weight thing? Is it whether you have a matched set? Is that, I'm assuming some, all of that kind of stuff goes into it? Yeah, it can all kind of play into a little bit. Um, color is the main thing. It's all done by weight. Um, so when you sell your pile to an antler buyer, he's going to go through and separate it. And then and typically into three grades, um, brown, which is fresh, not faded, no cracks, um, hard white, which might have a few little cracks, but um, is in pretty good shape. And then chalk, which has cracks and maybe like flaky from the sun. Um, and then they will just weigh each pile individually and give you a certain price per pound for each grade. Um, and that's kind of how they buy antler there's a different price for deer and elk elk right now is worth quite a bit more than deer per pound so that makes it the most lucrative to try to go after so it's it's just a straight poundage then once it's separated out by quality you don't get necessarily a bonus like if you have the matching set or anything like that unless it's like really trophy class stuff you don't like a mule deer uh singles over about 85 to 90 inches um are worth more money and then obviously a set in that 190 inch plus range could be worth more money um elk typically anything over like 370 to 380 um the matching set and the singles are worth a little bit more okay now uh, what you know people are coming out buying this and like what do they do with this i mean i've i've you know i've gone to the pet store and and seen chew toys that are made from deer antler but uh that's really like what do the uh, sheds get used for typically a lot of it do go to those dog shoes um if you go and look on amazon there's a pile of the sellers ebay making elk antler dog shoes people like them because they're free range um plus the animal doesn't have to die to get the dog shoes so even the yuppies that are all opposed to killing can sleep good at night knowing that no animals were harmed in the making of their dog chew um <laughs> and then also, a lot of them that I sell, I actually work with a, a buyer. I'm, I'm partnered with a buyer, and I buy antlers as well. And we work with an exporter. They go in uh, 40-foot shipping containers straight to China. And over in China, they grind them, and they make a supplement out of them, like a vitamin, and they take them as medicine. So. Some sort of uh, aphrodisiac or uh, male enhancement? Yeah, I've heard that. That's the rumor. They must need a lot of it in China because they buy that stuff by the container load. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't even want to know, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, just let them do the thing as long as they're paying my prices for antlers. So what if, uh, you know, just someone was like, I kind of want to get into shed hunting, uh, you know, maybe just as a, as a hobby, just to check out uh, – what would you what would you recommend for somebody that wanted to maybe try and explore and find their uh, first sheds this year without giving away uh, all your industry secrets? Right. The first thing I would tell people is have realistic expectations because Instagram, social media, they will blow your expectations out of the water and you'll think, oh, wow, you know, everybody must be finding a lot of sheds. It must be easy. And you'll get so frustrated and quit. Because I've, I've had so many people message me and be like, I want to get into shed hunting. I want to try it. And then they get so frustrated when they can't find them. But I wish I, mean, I wish I had a dollar for every day I hiked my guts out and not found an antler. Because hundreds of days, literally, um, over the last, you know, five to seven years. Um, but if you stick it out, then, then you can find them. But the main thing you want to look for is just wintering habitat. The best thing to do is go... Um, earlier in the winter, find out where the animals are staying, 
um, where they're feeding on, on what elevation they're at, and then just give them their space, let them feed, let them, and they're really vulnerable that time of the year, so don't go in there and push them around and wait till they move out of the area and then just kind of go hike those wintering areas. You can just pick a ridge, and I like to zigzag up and down the ridge and make sure you're going, making maybe 20-yard um, paths back and forth. And then the other thing that's really underutilized in Shed Hunting is glassing, um, just to sit down where you can see an open space where the bulls have been wintering or the deer have been wintering, and use your binoculars and a spotting scope to just pick it apart. I glass antlers all the time. I love the finding in the binoculars. It's so much easier. I can imagine that takes a bit of a trained eye, though, you know, to recognize something as an antler and not a piece of wood or a stick or a who knows, whatever, especially if it's, you know, buried in snow or something like that. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. It'll take some getting used to. And even now, you know, having done it for years, it's still, I still miss them, you know. Um, I still scan the hillside and they'll be sitting in the wide open and I'll miss them. But then a lot of times you'll get them that are in the wide open, and, you know, you get a white antler that's just shining bright as day right when you pull up your binoculars. And then you get over to where it was, and it might be buried um, from that perspective. So you see, you see stuff you never would have seen otherwise. And even if you glass a, a hillside and don't see anything, still go hike it and go check it out because there's stuff that you never would have been able to glass. But I think you just get like a more thorough approach to, uh, to covering a whole area like that. Well, so we've talked about uh, antlers once they're off the animal. Uh... What about antlers once they're uh, while they're still on the animal? What are you uh, looking forward to as far as hunting season this year? Well, I have I have huge plans. Um, one of the things I probably underestimated about quitting my job to shed hunt was that I would have to find other ways to create income. So one of those ways that I've found is through like media content creation, YouTube, Instagram, and so I'm always looking for stuff to film. So I pretty much pack my hunting season this year just so I'll have stuff to make vlogs about, basically. Um, so the first thing I'm going to do is over-the-counter elk hunt in Utah. It's archery tag. It has a crazy low success rate. It's a way difficult hunt, <laughs> tons of private property. Um, but I'm going to go try and give her heck on that, that hunt. I've had that tag before and had some decent success on it. So I'm going to go try that one. Um, and then I have a muzzleloader deer tag in Utah on a fairly good unit. And then... Um, hopefully I have a couple tags in Idaho over the counter tags. Um, I'm looking at, uh, Arizona late archery deer tag, and then the Arizona over the counter elk tag, a Colorado over the counter elk tag. And then, um, we'll see, I'm going to add hopefully, hopefully a wolf hunt in Montana, maybe another bear hunt and we'll just see what I can squeeze in. But I have a this fall forward to putting out a ton of videos that sounds exciting man i um i wish uh <laughs> i wish i could score that much time out in the field like you know definitely one of the benefits of of the seasonal uh shed hunting is you get a little bit more time out for hunting season that's for sure oh yeah 100 percent. and this will be the most i've ever hunted um i'm usually in the same boat as everybody else where i'm trying to balance and juggle my you know my vacation time with what i want to hunt the most I've ever hunted in the past has been, you know, like three weeks out of uh, the whole hunting season. So I'm excited to like really get after it and go full time and, and hopefully make some really good content. Very cool. So what would you say your dream hunt is? The one, you know, no limits, could go anywhere, any animal, any weapon. What would it be for you? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, 
I've all I have this thing in my head. I want to kill a 400 inch elk so bad. <laughs> um, I had a premium tag in Utah a few years ago, and I had an opportunity at like a 390 bull, and I never could get it down on that giant bull. But I just want I want that next level giant bull elk. I killed I killed a 355 bull a few years ago, but I just want that true giant bull. So I think if I could have any tag, I would probably choose just like one of these really premium Utah elk tags. Okay. Like to be something. But like as far as like crazy exotics and stuff, I don't get too much into wanting to hunt out of the country. I really like Western big game, but I would love to hunt desert bighorn. That's that's one thing that I I had zero when I first started getting interested, I had zero interest in any sort of rams or goat or sheep or anything and then all of a sudden you know just watching all these dang hunting shows and you know seeing all the instagram posts i'm like oh these are really cool animals and that looks like a just a crazy like challenging hunt and oh man i guess i'm putting in for points for more animals now (laughs) (laughs) yeah well, let's start building them now, you know, like where you're getting into it. It's going to be a long road to get those premium tags drawn. You want to make sure you've got your points built. It's a long time to get a big one tag. Unless, I don't know, I've always tried to decide if it was a better idea to try to uh, draw a big one tag or to, like, try to build a business and get rich so I could buy one. I think they probably both take about the same amount of time. <laughs> uh, definitely. But, the, the one nice thing about building the business and getting rich, though, is uh, – definitely helps out with all the other aspects of things as well right so. yeah it's got a lot more perks than just getting bonus points <laughs> well yeah i've been i've been looking at um now of course i'm blanking on the name of them uh new mexico the ibex no not the ibex the oh no no sorry the barbary sheep oh the barbary okay yeah that's something about that i saw a picture of that thing and i just I just fell in love with it, man. I want to get one of those so bad and do like a, at least a, a, a full front mount. Um, just cause they've got those crazy like beards yeah. and, and like, it's like a mane. Yeah. Those are cool. They call them odd ad or something too, don't they? Is that, maybe that's another name. I, I the same thing. I have no idea. I'm going to Google search that to find out, but yeah, it's just things I never thought I would have an interest in. And then, now suddenly I'm obsessed with, but yeah, I still just elk still holds like this place in my mind that is just on this pedestal, this holy right. <laughs> holy pedestal right now. Um, you know, it, I don't know. I can't. There's just something magical about that to me. Versus, you know, yeah. I want to. You know, I I really would love to take a bear. You know, I going after a wolf would be super badass. I mean, I'm, I'm doing Idaho this year, so I'm taking, uh, I mean, I'm going to pick up a bear and a wolf tag just because I'm going to (laughs) Idaho. And I figure if I run into one, I might as well be able to shoot it. Um, but you know, it just, it does, it's, it's cool. Like I would look forward to it. I'd be super stoked on it, but it doesn't hold that same, like just awe to me that, yeah. complete and utter awe that an elk does and i don't know i can't yeah i can't explain it but everyone seems to know exactly what i'm talking about you know oh yeah i get it 100 percent. i've always always been an elk guy um i i drew a crazy premium tag when i was 15 years old 
and killed like a really good bull and just got just got hooked. And ever since then, all I've thought about is gone. A good elk tag or chasing these public land elk. But that's awesome that you have that passion because there's so many over-the-counter opportunities available. They're a lot easier to get a tag for. Um, there's just tons of tons of chances to go chase bulls and you know, big bulls are my passion for sure, but the little bulls screaming and coming into calls, they get your blood pumping too. So elk just do it for me, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm kind of at the point where you know, it's like I don't get me wrong, like I would love to get as big of a bull as humanly possible. But you know, this is my first year going out and I'm trying to have realistic expectations and I'm thinking but I'm like the first thing that comes in, if it's got anything sticking out above its head, <laughs> I'm super <laughs> stoked on that. Like that's, you know, that's a trophy animal to me. And yeah, uh, you know, I'll still probably wet myself a little bit when I see my first one, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm like, I dream about this September when I get to go out there and just actually hear it. You know, I'm a, I'm a kid from, Southern California, I have, I saw my first moose in person just this last weekend, a total archery challenge. Like, <laughs> that's cool. You know, I've seen videos, I've seen pictures, whatever. I've never seen a moose in person. And yeah. I'm like sitting there and it occurred to me, I'm like, yeah, you know, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. It's a moose. And then it just, it occurred to me, like, this was the first time I've ever had that experience. And it was, it was cool. You know, it was exciting. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people I feel like don't, don't get that for you know they're kind of like well you know at this by this age everyone's you know everyone's kind of had that experience and uh yeah. there's all this a city folk <laughs> who uh who just never been around it so i'm just i you know if you can't tell i'm a little bit excited well no you should be and there's so many more firsts that you'll have too as you get into like actually out in the hills spending more time behind a bow or whatever, however you choose to hunt. Like, I remember specifically so many firsts. Like, I remember the first deer, I, the first buck mule that I ever saw where I had a gun in my hands and could actually shoot it. And, like, I remember that like it was yesterday, just completely vividly. And it was a giant deer, it was a funny thing, and I botched it. I didn't even get a shot off because I was so unraveled by that whole situation. And <laughs> I remember the first deer I ever shot at and missed him. And you'll have so many more of those crazy firsts. And, and I, the other thing, dude, is like, I would encourage you to write them down. And the podcast is awesome because it's another record that you'll have. But, but like for the rest of your life, you'll look back and reflect on all those moments that you have in the hill. And for me, those are the biggest moments. Like I have family moments and stuff that have a different significance. But as far as like who I am as a person, those times in the hills do more to define you than I think anything else you'll ever do in your life. And maybe it's just because I put so much importance on it personally, but like, remember that stuff and write it down and tell your kids about it. Cause it's that stuff is what, I don't know, what stands the test of time. I still know stories about my grandpa when he was a kid hunting and my dad. And it's uh it's a special thing, man. There's a reason that people get so reverent, I guess, about it. And so reflective, even people who are normally clowns like myself, it's one of the few things that can ground me and put me in a place where I'm like a hundred percent focused and reverent. So it's a cool thing, man. And you're, you're going to experience that and you'll know what I'm talking about. Definitely. I mean, and, and that's one thing I, you know, I've always been bad. I've never been the guy who journals or anything like that. I just, 
I don't know. I, I'll do it for a week and I won't be able to keep it up. But I wanted to make sure, uh, you know, I gra- I bought a I bought a nice little small compact notebook that uh, you know it's like a little leather bound thing that uh, I can write in and I feel like it'll be a nice keepsake for me. You know, some, not, rather than just you know some spiral notebook that pages are going to get torn out or whatever. Right. Um, so I want to I want to make sure I take that with me and. You know, each night I sit and I kind of write, write about the day, what happened, and if, I mean, and if nothing else too, it's you know, it'll help me with the podcast. It'll help me with, right. you know, I'm I'm taking a couple of GoPros out, and you know, I don't ex- I don't expect to make a giant, you know, full draw film tour style production out of it, but right. enough to where I can throw up some videos and just have those those memories and get to relive it. It's just like I. Uh, the video I took at Total Archery Challenge, it's not great video by any stretch. It's not epic video of me making these great shots. It's just, it's, you know, a couple clips of me talking with people, walking through, you know, going up the tram, and then just flinging a couple arrows. But I watch that thing probably twice a day for the past, you know, since yeah. I've, I've been, because it takes you back. It's, you remember more than just as in the video. You know, you have that moment. Oh, and, yeah. So I make I I definitely want to make sure that I can just document as much as possible. I was thinking about actually depending on you know where I end up parking versus where I end up camping and how I can do it uh and just how much weight I end up packing in. I was thinking about taking one of my headsets and my recorder with me yeah. and each night sitting down and recording it and then kind of clipping that all together and turning that into a podcast or just something to remember. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see. I just, you know, there's so many, so many unknowns, That's a good idea. but I think that would be a, that would be a fun one. You know, who knows? I can, you know, if I do clip, if I do get some great footage and that I really enjoy, I can use that as a voiceover for it, yeah. you know, record something after the fact, but yeah, you'll definitely never regret doing that kind of stuff. And I, I just usually take my iPhone with me, and then I'll do voice notes. I have a voice recorder on there, or a garage band or whatever, and then you can edit it later into something if you want to use it for something else. Use it for, uh, you know, to build a plot if you end up making a video, whatever you end up doing. But that's been one of my favorite things about about doing YouTube is having that video to look back on, just from even dumb shed hunts or. Just, you know, like my recent bear hunt that I went on in Canada, I watched that video probably 20 times. I mean, just because it was so, uh, it's so cool to relive that experience and uh, be able to, like, actually hear it happen and see it happen instead of just, like, going over it in your mind. It's a cool thing. So now, speaking of this video, uh, all this video, uh, where can people find find you online? Where can they uh, follow, kind of, and find this content that you've been putting out? Um, my Instagram is shed crazy, like you said earlier. And I usually, when I post a new YouTube episode, I'll post a, a something on Instagram about it and put the link in my bio. Um, my YouTube channel is just called Shed Crazy, as well. Um, I'm doing pretty much weekly videos on there right now. Um, as hunting season rolls around, I might try to up it to two a week, just depending on where I'm at, where I'm doing, how much time I have to edit. But I'm going to be doing some big things on there this fall. I'm hoping to do possibly a semi-live hunt where I do a video every night after a day of hunting. So it's uh, that's kind of where I'm putting my focus and my work right now is in my YouTube channel. That's really great. And uh, you guys also have a podcast you mentioned. 
Yeah, we do. It's called the Crazy Antler Podcast. Um, me and my buddy Josh Corbin, who is Antler Trader on Instagram. Um, we live in the same town, and uh, we thought we should just do a shed hunting podcast. And that's kind of how it started out. And then it's kind of turned into like just kind of all things hunting. And then also a little, I don't know, we're both full-time shed hunters. Um, so we talk a lot about the ins and outs of how to not have a job if you don't want to have a job and how to do what you love instead of uh, working for somebody else, if that's what you want to do. So it's been fun. We've had some good guests on and um, we're going to keep dropping episodes there. So you can find it on iTunes or Podbean or anywhere. I'll definitely make sure to uh, post a link to that on our show notes page. That's going to be livingcountryinthecity.com slash 26. But yeah, I'll get uh, I'll post up all the links to your social pages, uh, the YouTube, the Crazy Antler podcast. Um, so yeah, before we before we uh, end this, you know, one of the things I always like to end on is just this podcast is directed at at new hunters or people just that kind of feel in t- they interested in getting into the outdoors, but maybe intimidated or folks like me who are in the city and just kind of think like. I don't, I don't know there, you know, there's a lot of work to, to get into this. What, uh, what advice would you have for people like that? New hunters, people getting into this, uh, what advice could you give them as far as getting into the outdoors, getting into hunting? Well, I would say, don't be afraid of the work. Um, don't be afraid of the practice and the new things that you'll have to learn because there's such a wealth of resources out there for people who are looking to get into this. Um, there's all kinds of, you know, the internet should be your absolute go-to. You can find archery lessons on YouTube. You can find anything you need to know. So don't, don't be intimidated by the fact that it is going to take some work and it's going to take some practice. And the other thing I would tell people is don't be afraid to do stupid things. Don't be afraid to be emotional. Don't be afraid to get excited. You know, um, people get, I think, get these ideas from hunting TV shows and from the internet that it has to be this calculated perfectly done reverent thing and the reality of hunting is that sometimes it's ugly and sometimes it's hard and sometimes you get excited and do dumb things and shoot an arrow into a tree or whatever it might be um it's going to happen it's part of the experience it's part of learning and it's okay to be so excited that you shake so bad that you can't knock an arrow and that's (laughs) that's part of the fun with it and it's going to happen happens to everybody even these big time professional hunters started out just like that. So it's okay to be new at it. It's okay to not be that good at it. Just give it time, stick with it, and you'll get to, I don't know, you, you don't worry about preparing yourself to everybody else. You'll just get to where you need to be and to where you feel comfortable. I think that's really important. I mean, I ju- that just needs to be reinforced in a lot of people's minds. Um, I know one thing I promised myself you know, doing the podcast and creating this whole Instagram page, I'm definitely intentionally throwing myself out there. And, you know, as a new hunter, it's, it's easy for me to take a lot of flack because I'm have honestly have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I I learned, I learned something, but everything is new to me. And, you know, I I get a lot of people just talking a lot of smack and whatever, because they want to feel tough to the, in front of the new guy. But I keep reminding myself that I I made a promise that I will never present myself in a way that's not totally true. I will never pretend to be an expert on something that I'm not an expert on. Um, 
you know, I'll never, I'm, I'm not going to go out, you know, I, I didn't come back from total archery challenge being like, man, I smoked them. And, you know, I was getting 12 rings the whole time, bro. And I, you know, I came back, I'm like, I shot like crap, but let me tell you what I learned from that. And I think people, like you said, it, it's easy to get super intimidated by what you see on social media, on the hunting shows, you know, but then that's why I also appreciate, um, a lot of the guys that, you know, I got to talk to this weekend because they present themselves in really real ways too. You know, they're, I mean, they're incredible hunters and, you know, they're definitely, um, they're definitely successful, but you know, they'll also show those times when, you know, they get an animal and they're near tears afterwards, you know, they'll show the time like Corey Jacobson, you know, he shows, uh, in his Wyoming video, um, the elk 101 Wyoming video, Mm -hmm. I think, I think they just screwed that up like three times before they ended up getting a, getting a, a bull. And, you know, I mean, you know, you want to talk about an expert on elk, (laughs) right? No kidding. And so it's just, I, you see that and it makes me respect these guys so much more. And that's, you know, part of that reason, that's why I promised myself, like, I don't want to ever be tempted, whether it's just to seem more important than I am, or just to kind of not get flack from people. I never want to present myself in a way that's not totally honest and not true. And I hope that, you know, kind of resonates with everyone out there. Uh, Because, you know, I can't be the only one, you know, I, I know for a fact, I'm not the only one that's, that's new to this and feels intimidated. So. Yeah, 100%. And I think that you you will succeed that much more for just keeping it real. And people can spot a fake. People can tell when people are overcompensating. So as long as you just keep being genuine, people definitely attract more to that personality. I think we're seeing that a lot more in the hunting media world, in the world in general. It's okay to show your insecurities. It's okay to show the things that you worry about and your weaknesses because people identify with that. There's all kinds of people going through the same stuff that you are. So I think it's a good approach. Well, Ben, thank you so much for hopping on the show with me tonight. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time out and really had a good time chatting with you. Yeah, you too, Sam. I was happy to do it, man. That was a lot of fun. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 26 of Living Country in the City. Give Ben a follow on Instagram as well. Also, make sure you're subscribing to the Crazy Antler podcast. You can find those links on our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 26. Keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. <laughs> yeah, nailed it.